Um, I really believe that the Lord has been ministering to certain needs and specific questions and desires of the heart that you have presented to the Lord. Uh, when you walked in this place or when you turned on your TV this morning, if you're not well um, or at home, I just want to encourage you, don't let go of the things that the Lord gives you in the quiet moments, in the mundane moments. So while we center around, okay, we're not going to listen to the word, I hope you were listening to the word. Because Jesus was speaking, the Holy Spirit was moving, and doing things in your home or right here in this room. My name is Judah, for those of you who don't know me. I'm one of the pastors here at Word of Grace and elders of this church. And I'm so glad that we've been working with this series called Bring It On. Now, when, when we first titled this series, I could see a lot of people like a little confused. They're like, what is he going? Where, where is he going with all this? And the first week, the, the task I had is specifically addressing the things that several of you are going through personally, because I know that we're all facing all kinds of things right now. Um, I don't know too many people in this room who are not going through something that's extremely hard. Okay? If you're not experiencing something hard, yay, I'm so glad for you. Okay? Um, encourage those around you. Because God, we need, we need that encouragement. But specifically for people who are walking through hard things right now. And so for some of you, it's been a season of this. And for other people, it's just been like, I don't know what, when, where this came out of left field. Um, but our response as believers to struggle and to suffering and to things that come against us needs to be clarified. We need to have a clear mind about these things so that we're not unaware, so that we're not clueless. And we don't immediately blanket statements say, well, this is an attack. Or God is trying to teach me a lesson in this. These are all phrases I would have heard when people go through hard things. And I need to bring some clarity on these things. So therefore, we started with, last week, the Lord cares for you. If you are not centered on the position you have in God, we talked about how you have peace with God, Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, you have the peace of God, Colossians 3 verse 15, which can guard your heart and mind. And you, in Philippians 4 verse 7, it says, you need to let it be like an umpire. So that every anxious thing, every thought of anxiety is put into its place because I'm kept in the care of God. The Greek word for peace is the word where you get the name Irene. It has to do with a putting back into wholeness. Uh, a sense, it's a, yes, it does have the sense of serenity or calmness in it. But it is not because it's nice feelings. But it is in the midst of destruction and fragmentation, the irene of God, the, the peace of God, puts everything back together. It's like a gluing together of things that were shattered. So in a world, in a circumstance where you are facing fragmented situations, fragmented things, you're looking at something and you're like, I cannot, this is like a 10,000 piece puzzle. 
where do I start? There are no edges to find. Do you, do you understand? Where you're looking at a situation and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. That is what we have been promised. Now, with that as your context, you are now kept in a, the love of God and His care for you is not just a by-the-way kind of off-the-cuff kind of like, oh, I guess God. No, God cares for you quite individually. And this is where I want to start. In Matthew chapter 11, we, talk, we touched on this last week. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 says, Come to me, all of you who labor and who are heavy laden. Do you feel like you are tired from all the labor that you've been doing? Do you feel like you are under a weight? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now this is an invitation. And I want you to see it clearly for what it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There are things that I want to give you in the midst of what you're going through. In the midst of what seems like a heavy situation. In the midst of what seems so exhausting. And just like, I want this to be done. In the midst of that, he wants you to come alongside him. And he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What is, he, what is he saying that for? For I am gentle. I'm not brash. I am not like, come on, buck up, buddy. Get on with it. It's not one of those things. I am gentle and I am lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your soul. This is an Irene thing. But the verse that follows this is what gives this verse 29 context. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Did he say that the situation that made you heavy laden or the weariness is what becomes light? What is he talking about? He's saying what I bring you into is suddenly something that brings you into a lightness. Not because it was the Christian thing to do. The Greek word there for the word yoke is easy. Is the word not saying it's suddenly now all like, Yay, I can dance around through the situation. It's not yoke is easy like that. He's saying my yoke is... The best way to describe this Greek word is... Um, it's a perfect fit. It is... It, it's, it's like, oh man, that fits so... It looks so, you make this look easy. You know, you know when you say that to somebody? You make this look easy. What are you trying to say? You're saying, man, you're so smooth. It just looks like you were just walking through like on butter. It just, just goes right through. How did he do that? How did, like, you know, it's one of those kind of things. So that's what, that's what God's word is saying when he says, my yoke is easy. He's talking about, I have care for you that is designed specifically for you. It's like a well-made suit. So it's not the Christian yoke he's putting on you. The, if you believe in Jesus, this is the yoke upon you. No. He's saying there is something that I have designed specifically for Donovan. And it, when, I, when I put this yoke upon Donovan's neck, it is built for his neck. And he will not chafe against it. He will not find it something that was placed on him. 
he will find it as something that is a grace to walk in, which Jesus gives him that suddenly you're like, wow, I have what I need for today. It's easy. This burden Jesus has placed on me is light, not because it suddenly made the situation, there's still work to be done, but Jesus in my corner is so well fitted in the care that he gives me that I'm fully met, I'm fully cared for. So that was where we started because if you don't start there and you start looking at your situations, you will come up with all kinds of funky stuff really, really quickly. And that was why we started where we did. In today's message, I really want to focus on strengthening yourself in the Lord. So the first week we looked at God's care for you. Today, I want to look at God's counsel for you. If you do not hear the word of the Lord in the midst of struggle, in the midst of trial, you will end up coming up with solutions that look Christian, that look like they are from the Lord, or they even look biblical. But you don't know how to apply it because your heart was not settled in the care of God first. Are you hearing me? If you're not settled in the care of God, you will end up coming up with Christian solutions to your problem. And then wondering why is God not hearing me? We went through this last week. My cause is hidden from God. He doesn't even hear my voice when I'm calling out. He doesn't see me. These are all things that the enemy uses then, good things, to accuse God with. Are you hearing me? We then turn around and say, you let me down. That's why I'm going through this. If God was good, he could have. Have you heard that one? These all come from a fundamental place of not having met with who God is to you first. So I'm trying to answer situations from... If this is a situation, that must mean God doesn't love me. How many of you, I'll put it in my family just so that I won't put anyone else on the spot. I love the cooking my wife makes, right? She tolerates my cooking, right? So when, when I cook, all the, all the kids are like super excited because it's, it's all kinds of, my food is not the 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 gourmet baker's arms kind of stuff. It's uh, something thrown in a pan and it, it works. Now, if she cannot cook someday and it was, okay, I guess we're eating dad's cooking, do we all turn around and be like, you didn't cook for us, That's, you, you must not really love us. How do we get there again? Because you didn't do something that I wanted that day. That's now suddenly become a litmus test for your love for me. Oh, I needed $10 for band. I'm sorry, I don't have that. Oh, I wanted to, like, we've been talking through going through soccer. And, oh, I want to go do this. And I was like, great. Thanks for asking. No, we cannot do it. Ah, oh, is it because I don't love you? Is it because I don't love my children that I don't give them certain things? Or don't intervene the first time they have a problem? My intervention is completely different. It could be sitting with you on the bed 
at 9.30 in the night and saying, so what, what happened? What did you walk through? I can, I will, I ref, just because I am in charge does not mean I am in control. Let me rephrase that. We have this understanding that God's sovereignty means God is the one pulling all the strings on every decision and everything that happens. Now the problem with that is we think God makes things happen so that, and that's where we get this God's teaching me a lesson thing. We have an enemy that is out to destroy us. Who wants to take everything that you have in God and say, that inheritance is not yours. It does not belong to you, you worthless piece of da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And you sometimes swallow it. I really did screw that up. I really wasn't a great student. I really wasn't a great mom. I really wasn't a great husband. All of these things start to become the narration of your story, the narration of your life. And God's like, I did not say any of that. Where did that come from? We have an enemy. But instead of me saying, I'm going to now, oh, the enemy's coming, so I'm going to kick him out of the way and make sure I protect this kid. How many of you have watched helicopter parenting? Some of you even struggle with that yourself, right? <laughs> But you know for a fact that there are certain things, when someone says something to my kid, my kid needs to have the ability to stand up and say, no, that's not true. I'm not going to be with my kid everywhere they go. By design. Because I could go everywhere my kid goes. But that would make me a helicopter parent. Now, there are certain things that I can. When my child is really two, three years old, I will helicopter a lot of stuff. I don't want you touching that. I don't want you going here. But if I'm doing that when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, I'm, come on. You need to learn to make good choices. And guess what happens when you make bad ones? I wasn't trying to teach you this lesson, but now it's time to teach you this lesson. So God uses, so when the problem is, there are things that God will test and train us in and teach us in. And then there are trials which God uses to train and teach and equip us in. And then there are tribulations which are just downright attacks from the enemy. You need to know the difference of, Lord, what are you wanting to teach me in this moment? What are you trying to instruct me in? How to say please, thank you. Imagine the whole parenting context. I want you to sit up straight. This is me training you. Give yourself to worship. I want you to seek me in the morning. This is God training you. He's saying, you need my voice. You need to learn to pay attention. I want to instruct you in these things. That's God teaching you a lesson. Over here, he says, oh, what did, oh ooh. you went and touched the fire. You went and put your hand on the stove. You went and got a boo-boo. We don't play with fire. Okay, so this is in the context of what you're going through. You do not waste money you don't have. This financial mess you're in, you did. God didn't do it to you. The enemy didn't do it to you. You did it to you. But I'm going to teach you. I will provide for your needs, but I'm going to need to train you. So the trial you're going through, is it something he's going to use? You bet he is. But did he cause it? 
No, but he will use it over here. You are going through a tribulation, something. You, you're, you're, you've lost your job. There are things happening at work. Your marriage, there seems to be something happening in your family. You can't put your finger on it. There is a darkness that you sense in just what's going on in your home. And you have to be like, Lord, what are you teaching? No, no, this is not one of the, Lord, what are you teaching me in this moment? This is, Lord, what do I stand in that I know I have? That I can attack this thing that's come against my house. Do you see the, how there is a, a spectrum of how you need to respond to these things? It's not one vanilla solution. You cannot be sitting there saying, well, God wants me to go through suffering, so... I guess this darkness over here, hello darkness, my old friend, it's time to stop. No, I am not spending, I'm not singing that song, and I am not spending time talking with you. Because I have a living God who has said, walk out of it, stand up therefore in the power of His might. I have given you things to stand in, I want you to stand in that. That's what Ephesians 6 tells us. But all of these things are different things. You can't be looking at the boogeyman behind every door when he's saying, son, I want you to seek me in the morning. Oh, I feel like this is such an attack. I cannot get... You get up. I told you to get up. Set your alarm. I feel like it's an attack. I cannot wake up. That hardship is called laziness. So when do you call yourself on the things that God is instructing you in? And when do you say, Lord, help me. You're my deliverer. The enemy is using this to, con to bring me into condemnation. And none of these places, including this place where I said laziness might be the issue. Do you think he cares for you any less? That is why I went there first. Because when God instructs those things, he says, I completely love you. And I'm completely going to cover you. But you're going to have to grow. And I'm going to teach you. Some of it's not going to be pleasant. But don't buck against my hand. When I put my hand on something in your life, it's because I love you. It's because I care for you. So the moment God corrects something in your life from his teaching and training, you don't sit there going, judgy much? Uh-uh, this is my heavenly father talking to me. He loves me. If he does address something in my life, it's because he cares. And then there are things that I will walk through that he will give me grace for. So let's go through Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. So everything I just said, I want to go through in scripture. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive grace and help in time of need. So regardless of what the situation is, I have access to the God who holds everything together. I have access to his throne and he, he said, come. And he will help me discern these things. Is this something, Lord, that you're calling me out on something? That your hand of discipline is upon me? Or is this something I need to be worked out of? Where temptation wants to draw me towards something and you're saying, no, choose this instead. Or is this something I need to step, put my foot in the ground and say, I'm not having that anymore in my life. He will teach you. He will give you grace to help you in time of need. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. This is why it is so important that you come to the throne of grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. So that whole spectrum that I just talked about. The whole spectrum, the whole gamut. I'm prepared to take it on. Why? Because I have the power of Christ available to me. I am not on my own. I'm not figuring this stuff out and saying, well, I guess this is just a bad season. No, I have Jesus with me. He will help me walk through every single one of these things. I want you to let peace stabilize you. Isaiah 33, verse 6. And he will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. You need to understand that when you have the Lord in your corner, when you have the Lord on your side, when his yoke is upon you, you will suddenly find he's the stability of your times. And he's a wealth of salvation. He becomes wisdom and understanding to you. You're not clutching at things hoping something will give. You're not clutching at, oh, I must declare God's promises. or I must read more Bible. You're not clutching at things because I have the Most High who is my hiding place. If I've made God my shelter, guess what? He will be the stability of my times. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've said these things to you that you may have peace. This is Jesus talking. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, you will have this stuff, which I did not bring. I do not desire that you go through these things, but it will happen. And I will be with you. Why? Because I've gone all the way to the end and I have conquered that. I have disarmed every single principality, every single power that says they have dominion over you. I have gone and overpowered them. But until I make a public spectacle of them at the end of this age, I want you to stand in what I have done for you. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. The peace of God suddenly becomes an anchor point that you can put your feet in and then you're able to stand in the midst of struggle and you're saying, while I'm figuring out which box this goes in, I'm going to make the most high my dwelling place. So that here is not in turmoil. That might be in turmoil. That might not change tomorrow. It might not change in another two weeks from now. But I'm not going to start singing, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Do you understand? I'm going to stand over here in the peace of God and make the most high my dwelling place. This is what it means to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Now we will unpack that a little bit more. But I want you to know this is the starting point. I have made the most high my dwelling place. 
I will surely won't be shaken. I surely will not be shaken. Why? Because God is my rock. Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Philippians 4. Let the peace of God which surpasses your understanding about the situation. It will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. These are things that I already covered, but I want you to understand that when God gives you His presence, you are not left defenseless. You are not. Whether it is a lesson He's teaching you, His presence will be your guide. When you're encountering something that He is calling you away from, to draw away from, to make a decision to change, he, his presence will be your guide. In Ephesians chapter 6, when you're facing the onslaught, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities in high places. Have you, got, have you got any weapons for that? By yourself, you don't. But guess what? That we, Whenever we read, can you put Ephesians chapter 6 up? Let's just read that quickly, just so that you understand the context of this. In Ephesians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His might. So it's not my might. I make, I immediately say, like in 1 Corinthians 12, I will boast all the more about my weakness so that the power of Christ might be seen. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, okay, cool. Which store do I go to? Where do I get this? Amazon? Like, where do I get this army, armor for? For myself. Where do I go buy it from? We often look at this ver these verses. and when the Everyone says, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. And everyone loves all the little bits. And it's a nice Sunday school. Everyone cuts out the shapes and sticks it on things. Great. What is it talking about? What is it talking about? It is talking about the person the presence and the work of Jesus. If you are not clothed in His righteousness, guess what? You have no, nothing guarding you. If you are not fastened with truth, there's nothing that's keeping your clothes on. Truth is what holds you together. Do you, do you, now you're starting to see this whole armor analogy was meant to be an analogy so that you understand you need to be standing in the fullness of Christ. But everywhere you go, you are not left by yourself to figure it out. Let's get back on track. So don't buck against the teaching and the training of the Lord. And always put yourself in a place to receive the rescue and redemption of God. Whether you're on this side of the argument where you're saying, Lord, I didn't do this to me. I don't know what's going on. I'm fighting against something I don't even understand. He says, I have rescue. I have deliverance for you. I have redemption for you. But it all starts with the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross. Over here, 
It starts with the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm teaching and training you to be a new creature. I'm teaching you to be someone who's the son and a daughter of the Most High God. You have a new heart. You have a new desire. You, I'm placing things within you that stand up to adulthood. This is a maturing process. I'm growing you up. I am not going to take no for an answer. Get up. Do you understand? So when God does that to you, He's not being judgy. He's calling you up into the destiny He has spoken over you. This is why the blood of Christ speaks a better word over you. It does not speak judgment over you. It speaks life over you. It says it's calling out your name. It's speaking destiny over you. Psalm 16, verse 7 and 8. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night my heart instructs me. Did you know that? We as a couple have really tasted and seen God meet us in the night. With things that have been so heavy for us. Things that we, like Lord, we don't know what to do or how to say or how to address these things. We will wake up with clarity from God. Not because we were like praying in our sleep. We weren't doing any of that. We were just sleeping. But the Lord instructs me in the night. The Lord comes to you and He says, You're my kid. There is something that's tormenting you. There is something that's against you. I want to put truth there. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Do you see see the, the shifting of a place of trust? Because peace now becomes a way of life for you. It's not something you're waiting to happen to you. Peace is not something I'm waiting to happen to me. Peace is something I stand in because it is my birthright. Are you hearing me? This is quite different from a peaceful feeling. The peace of God is a power that stands and says, I will not be shaken. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do your best to present yourself as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So when the word is given to you, you have to work with it. If you are someone who just sets it aside and says, I hope it happens to me. This is kind of the problem that we have in the church today. We hope that Bible verses spoken over us will somehow do something. It's like magic words. Abracadabra. There you go. You have the peace of God. The peace of God is something I need to work in. I need to take steps towards the Lord. I need to handle that word and say, Lord, I have made you my hiding place. Lord, I make you my refuge. Lord, I don't feel very safe today. I don't feel secure today. Lord, I'm coming to you and I ask for a word that will establish me in these things. I'm going to be a good workman who applies truth. Doesn't just say it's going to happen. Psalm 32. I'm going to run through these things, but I want you to see. I'm working through all of the things that I just mentioned. When you start to see God is your hiding place, the way you navigate hard things becomes something that's not just like happenstance. It it is very specific. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose, in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, because your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as in the heat of summer. This is where God is coming to a child of his and he's saying, I have told you about this. I'm putting my hand upon you not to crush you. I will never be punitive in a crushing sense. Do you understand? I will make it difficult, but not because I'm trying to teach you a lesson that makes you suffer. Your disobedience is causing suffering. Are you hearing me? Go put the bowl in the sink. My son has heard that several times. Right? Just go put the bowl in the sink. Like, it's easy. Just go put the bowl in the sink. What is suffering to you right now isn't the bowl. It is the disobedience of not taking the bowl to the sink. So when his hand is heavy on you and he's saying, I've asked for a response and I'm going to work with it till we see correction. He will not let you just simply skate on by and be like, it's just a bowl. I understand. I, the bowl is not my problem either. I could care less about a bowl being on a table. But there is something I want formed in you that addresses that. So when, when you don't respond to that, that becomes heavy. Do you, are, are you hearing me? The discipline of the Lord is heavy, not because He's like, let me see you squirm. No. He's not trying to do that to you. I want to correct this because there are people who believe that. That God's going to make my life miserable so that I learn something. No. 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 God, God never does that. When God puts his hand on your life as a father who loves you, he says, I'm looking for a response of humility. Which is why in Matthew chapter 11, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I have a humble heart and I learn to walk in humility. You want to learn how to walk in humility? Go get yoked with Jesus. He will teach you how to do it. I know we always feel like we're right. I mean... My wife and I, we go through this every other week. Like, I just thought I was right, and you, you think you're right, but hey, guess stalemate. You know? And then you get into this like funk, and you're like, why did I not respond quicker? Why did I not humble myself quicker? And it was over something stupid. Like, whose bowl was that? You know? Like, something like that. And you're like, why would we get into things like this? It is because our hearts always want to prove ourselves right. I'm right. No one understands me. And God's like, uh-huh. You mean you understand you better than I understand you? I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I would confess my transgressions to the Lord. And He forgave the iniquity of my sin. The guilt of my sin. He took that away. He says, I'm not even going to use this against you. Do you see, that when he takes away the iniquity of your sin, what that means is, he's not even saying, all right, I'll let it go. God is not a, I will let it go kind of a person. God's saying, I know exactly what you did, 
but I will never, ever use that against you ever again. Lord, I failed the fifth time. I've covered over the iniquity of your sin. I've, from now on, when I look at you, you're starting from ground zero. Even though I've forgiven you 15 times. And that kind of love. As a parent, it's hard for me not to keep a track record of what my kids have done wrong. Or what my spouse has done wrong. And the Lord says, I will remove that guilt. That accuses you and says, he knows what I was like. He knows what I'm like. He says, no. I know what you're like. You're like my son, Jesus. And that is what I speak over you. Now, do you see why the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over you? You are not governed by what you got wrong last. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time where you may be found. Surely the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. I want you to hear the voice of your God. He is calling out to you as a son, as a daughter of his. This, this passage always makes me chuckle because it was something that my dad and my mom used to always say. Whenever we went out anywhere, my dad would say, I will instruct you with my eye upon you. And he was like, do you need me to explain that? In a room, my dad's eye would suddenly like flick. And he was like, well, we shall, okay, put that down. Let's go back this way. Why was there that response? It did not take a, hey, stop, don't, don't do, don't touch that. He didn't do any of that. My dad would just look, look across the room. He'd catch my eye and he would be like, he didn't have to say anything. He'd just look. And that is what that means. But do you have an awareness of your heavenly father that in your walking, and this is what do we call the fear of the Lord. When you are aware of his presence, and you're walking about your day, and there's something inside of you that goes, it's not fear of him. You're not scared of him. You're like, this is something that does not please my heavenly father. There's an immediate awareness. I am, I'm dabbling in something that does not bring him joy. Or something he has instructed me about. Don't touch that. He will never use it against me. But he's saying, can I instruct you with my eye? Or do I have to put a bit and a bridle on you and say, go this way, turn. No, stay here. I am not. God's saying, do you want me to treat you like that? Or will you give me your heart? It's my son. If you will give me your heart, it will be life for you. So these are the three things I want to give you as highlights We'll uncover some of this more next week. We will have the kids with us, so get ready. I'm telling you now. It's Family Sunday next week. (laughs) But we're going to work at three things. You strengthen yourself in the Lord, firstly, with the power of the cross. That is your first 
point of contact. That is where you stand. Because that changes who you are. If what Jesus has done has not changed who you are, everything is a try. Everything is a, I hope I can. I hope I can be better. I hope I can get through this. But when I'm standing in what Jesus has done, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in what He will do in this situation. I'm not trusting myself to get it right. Do you hear me? Even if it was laziness or a brokenness in me that he was training at, it is not my power that is going to achieve this. It's going to be his power. So Lord, I present to you a heart that says, Lord, I'm willing. I might have gotten it wrong 15 times before. I'm just willing. And over here, when you call me into something and, he's, and you've told me to choose something else and I've gone my own way, and now I'm left with a mess and I'm in a mess, you said your right hand will guide me. If all I need to do is turn to you. When I turn to you, you will help me. The power of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that you could be called the righteousness of God. There is nothing about you that is wrong. Isn't that scary? Uh, like, <laughs> scary in one sense because you're like, I know I'm wrong all the time. There's so much about me that isn't right. But he says, I've clothed you in the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives you. He has called you blameless in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. I'm not going to go through all of it. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses and sins. According to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus means to you. You are in a new place. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. There is nothing that God has which is being withheld from you. Let me say that again. There is nothing that God has which is being withheld from you. Because you are placed within Jesus, everything that He has is now by birthright yours. Not because you did anything fancy. Not because you're the best kid or the best Christian. He says it is yours. Now, does that mean you get everything? No. Because there are certain things He has to mature. And there are certain things that will happen when you have received the full price at the end. That's not yet. But He has already called you new. He's already called you His own. And He says, I have freely given you all things. So the second thing, that leads me to the second thing. The power of the cross is your first place of strength. The power of the work of His Holy Spirit. You cannot get around this. If the work of the cross is to be manifest in your life, it will take a work of the Holy Spirit. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, you do not have anything. For God has done in Hebrews, uh, in Romans chapter 8, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. He sent His own Son, right? So that's what the power of the cross is. He made him in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. For those of us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For, it, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law. It takes, it takes a transformation of what's inside. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although your body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. This is not just a work of imputed righteousness, or meaning where you've been called righteous, this is your name. But this is a work of imparting of righteousness where God says, I will train you in the ways of rightness. I will make the fabric of your being something that's different. Not because you're trying to be holy. He says, because I've made you holy. First Corinthians chapter 2. For who knows the person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Do you understand? These are not things He's withholding. None of this stuff is He withholding. He's saying, these have been given to you freely, but guess what you need? You need the work of my Spirit. And we impart these words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person cannot accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. It will be things like, I want you to wake up in the morning, and I want you to worship. Lord, that does not solve my bill problem. That does not solve my marriage problem. I asked you to worship. I asked you to take this psalm and read it out. That doesn't solve anything. It's stupid. Okay, it's stupid. Do, do you get what I'm saying? The, 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 the benefits of responding to God when He gives you just a simple word of instruction. By His Spirit, He will disclose things to you that unravel the bondage, the things that have been against you, the things that you're struggling through. You suddenly find a clarity, not because you were like this genius, but because the peace of God that surpasses understanding grounds you in something that you can take action in. The spiritual person judges all things, but by himself is judged no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord that they might counsel him? But we have the mind of Christ. Do you, do you accept that? You have the mind of Christ. So there is something that needs to be trained. Of saying, Lord, teach my mind to receive what you have. Because I, my mind by itself wants to make its own assumptions about what I can and cannot have. Oh, I'm, not, I'm too stupid for this. I'm too this for, I, I've not known Jesus enough. I don't know how to read the Bible like they do. I don't, I don't have a degree in theology. Or, and these things were freely given to you by God. So receive it. And my last one is the power of His Word. The power of the cross, the power of the work of His Holy Spirit, and the power of His Word. When, when you and you need all three of these things in your life. 
If these, three, if these three things are not growing within you, if you're setting any one of these things down and saying, you know what, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to worship about it. He says, well, I want you to respond to my word. I want you to take my word and have it in your mouth. My son, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 23. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. I want you to understand that when you respond to your heavenly father in the work of the cross, in the work of his spirit, and the work of his word, you will start to find there becomes a health within you that develops, that helps you discern. Is this something that the Lord wants to instruct me in? Is this something the Lord wants to correct or draw me away from? Or is this something I need to stand against in the power of his might? You will start to find yourself navigating these things a lot easier. We will, we will take time with this. I will show you how to do this practically too. If you have questions at all, don't hesitate to ask. But I urge you and I implore you, do not set aside the position you have in Christ. If nothing else makes sense, say, Lord, you have called me out of darkness. I belong to you. So I'm going to take that position. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for the work that you did on the cross that calls us not only righteous, but sons and daughters of the living God. So Lord, I ask that there would be a revelation of these things to people. Lord, that you would draw us deeper into these things, that we wouldn't be afraid of the things that surround us. Lord, as the word says in Psalm 56, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Lord, that your trustworthiness, your steadfastness will be what anchors us. Lord, that we would stand up in the midst of trial, that we would stand up in the midst of tribulation, that we would stand up in the midst of correction and say, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, that we would respond to things of this world with the peace that you have given us. I ask that you would do this work, Holy Spirit. Lord, and anything that needs to be explained and anything that needs to be unpacked, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would teach and guide your people that we might move forward with you. Amen.